Do you enjoy the unknown of every new day and experience? Or would you want to know if I could guarantee beyond a doubt that I knew what would happen to you? It's not so easy to say for most of us when it's put forward in black and white. But what if I offered knowledge that only gave you shades of gray with tips for better outcomes? Welcome to the Just Dumb Enough podcast. I'm your host as always, Colton Petrie. My guest today is Corby Mitleid. Corby is a certified tarot master and has been practicing this master craft for five decades now. She is an incredible spring of knowledge and really put on a hell of a show today, teaching us all about this frequently misunderstood art. By the way, did you know how old tarot is? A quick Google search showed records all the way back into the 1400s. I'm not sure why tarot as an idea has always fascinated me. Maybe it's the mystery, or the ability to see forward like we all wish we could after we make big mistakes. For me, I think it's because it sits in this zone between a religious experience, true sorcery, and an old-school magic show. Either way, it was a lot of fun to talk about, and I hope you all enjoy it. In case you missed it last week, or in the last episode, I'm inviting any listeners who know or care a lot about something to come on the show. Just send me an email, dumbenoughpodcast at gmail.com, or reach out to me on any of the social pages. It can be about anything at all. Anything that you are interested in and would be willing to teach me about. But now, let's deal out some insight into our future. Welcome to the show, Corby Mitleid. It's great to be here. Thanks for asking. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on the show. Why don't you introduce yourself for the fans? Okay, that means you want my 30-second elevator speech, because it's always, how did you get to do this? When I was nine, I read a book called The Witch Family by Eleanor Estes, and I thought, ooh, there's magic in the world, I want to go find it. Fast forward to 1973, when I was a senior in high school, and yes, that tells you how old I am. That was the year Live and Let Die came out with Jane Seymour as Solitaire, the reader. So Spencer's had this James Bond 007 tarot deck and I bought it because we were all hippies then. You had your elephant bell bottoms and your fringe jacket and your deck. Now, five years later, everybody else had moved on to roller skates and disco balls. I was still reading with the cards. The story fascinated me and I was becoming very adept at being able to explain the little yellow brick road that they were taking you down. So I read for friends for 20 years just keeping my own ego on the shelf. All of a sudden in the early 90s, I could do hands-on healing and talk to dead people with no training. That was the universe handing me my draft notice and saying, hello, you're working for us. So I did it part-time till 9-11. Meanwhile, a very checkered career, actress, author, inspirational speaker, legal assistant, video producer, executive recruiter, writer for ElfQuest. But when the towers burned on 9-11, I turned to my husband and I said, I need to do this work full-time. People need to know there are other answers out there. He said, I believe in you, go do it. Since then, six days a week, 14 hours a day, I read a thousand people a year, and I get 
to get up in the morning. I don't have to get up in the morning. I mean, that's awesome being able to like find something, but this seems like a real, like you had a calling moment where it's like, Hey, guess what you can do? Yes. Yes. Um, and the thing is for everybody who says, Oh, well, she always wanted to. No, I didn't always want to. Any of my other careers feeds into what I do now. You come to me with a career question. Yes, the cards are going to give me a deep dish answer, but I used to be an executive recruiter placing people in six-figure jobs. Why wouldn't you use the left part of my brain that knows how you need to write a resume and look for a good position? It's both. You know, I am not one of those intuitives who thinks her aura don't stink. Just not. This is practical information. Oh, that's awesome. And it's really cool to like, I think, have that, you know, hear these stories where somebody has that moment because there's a lot of us, myself included, that we kind of like drift. We're like, what am I Mm -hmm. supposed to be doing? What am I good at? What is like, what talent do I even have? Um, Mm -hmm. So it's cool to hear that. Everybody, look, everybody can do what I do. I'm not special. It's important that you guys know that. In fact, I lost a reality show because I wouldn't let them say that nobody in the world could do what I do. That's that's how they play. You know, reality show is an oxymoron like jumbo shrimp. Yeah. But tarot cards have been around basically since Moses was in diapers hundreds of years. They do have rules, always 22 majors, four suits with 14 cards in each suit. On the other hand, there are also oracle decks And they're a relatively new invention past 30, 40 years or so. And they don't need to have rules. The only rules for them are what the deck designer comes up with. So if you're scared, you won't be able to remember all the rules. Start with one of the Oracle decks and then move to tarot. Nothing wrong with that at all. Interesting. Yeah, I'm very much the person where I'm like, give me all of the rules. Like, give me all the data that I can get. Like, don't, don't make me improv this, please. Okay. But, 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 but there is a difference between a recipe follower and a cook and a chef. Mm -hmm. The recipe follower has to know all the rules. If they say put in two thirds of a cup of diced pineapple, you measure it like to the end. That's a recipe follower. A cook says, all right, you know, that's fine. We'll, We'll dump that in. They're not as hide bound to measuring it precisely and a chef is well i know that it calls for you know diced pineapple but i bet you if we just threw in a little bit of these dried sour cherries that would really pump up the flavor everybody is following what the rule book said initially but the more sure you are of your capabilities the more you're willing to take what i call direct download information and we're going to get to that a little bit later all right so i mean let's start out just super basic what is tarot beyond you know you said there's majors and then there are suits like what does all that mean all tarot decks are 78 cards you have 22 major arcana that's kind of like the concentrated god energy in the deck the big guns and it runs from the fool all the way to the world Then you have suits, and the four suits in tarot are very much analogous to the four suits we now have in a standard playing card deck. That's why you will sometimes find gypsies reading 
the standard playing card. For instance, swords in tarot are spades in a standard deck. Pentacles or coins are diamonds. Cups are always hearts. And then you've got wands, which are clubs. So the structure isn't all that different. While in a modern deck, you've got king, queen, jack. In a tarot deck, you've got king, queen, prince, or knights, and princesses or pages. So knight and page, prince and princess have been broken out. But now in a standard deck, it's just the jack. Each of the suits has a certain area that they cover. And I'm not going to get into the astrological and the numerological correlations because, you know, that's, you don't need to know that right now. (laughs) Uh, Wands are creativity, power, passion, and drive, which you put out to the world to go, this is me, take it or leave it. Cops are relationships, but it's anything that goes human heart to human heart, family, friends, work, community, not just lovers or husbands or wives. You've got pentacles, house card job stuff. And then you've got swords, challenges, speed bumps, crud, and the mental work to deal with it. So that's the kind of energy that you're going to have when you work with tarot. Now, next question is usually, how do you decide which cards to put down? Okay. There is one particular spread everybody has seen on all the bad B movies, and that's called the Celtic Cross. It's literally 10 cards. You've got a cross in the middle and then four cards that go up the side and kind of like a chimney. I tend to use that for just your general overview. After that, we go subsections. We look at career. We look at family. We look at uh, finances, romance, whatever you want. I know for me, uh, when I say I want to do deep dish, I do. When you sit down with me and you just think, well, I'm not supposed to say anything, and you sit in front of me with your arms crossed and no expression on your face, uh, that's like trying to climb Everest in sneakers. There's no grip. So when you sit down with me, the first thing I'm going to say is, what is the most important thing you want to get out of you knowing? And if you go blank on me, I'll go Brooklyn on you and go, darling, what's biting your butt? Because everybody knows what that is. And the reason I do that is, look, ain't nobody faster with cards than me. I've been reading for 50 years. It's a full-time job. It's like going to the gym every day. I can bench press 200 where someone who goes four times a year can press 10. But time is time is time. No matter how fast I am, if you just want to tell me nothing and hope that I get to what's important to you, even if I read your life uh, experience from A to M, if what you wanted was in volume T, you're going to leave and go, ah, she didn't know anything. She didn't tell me. But if you say to me what you want to know about, then I've got multiple card drill downs that can really give you the answers you need. So let's take career. If you sit with me and say, I want to know about career, I'll say, okay, we could look at it three ways. You either want to stay where you are, you want to change jobs, or you want to be an entrepreneur. Is that what they call cold reading or fishing? No. Because each one of those has a different multiple card spread. Let's say you decide, I want to open up my own broadcasting school. Cool. Personally, 
I would not pull three cards and say, wait until October and fire the second redhead. What the hell does that give you? I would pull what I call the entrepreneur's spread. A card for you, a card for any business partner you have, a card for the energy around the business, the new broadcasting school. It's a brick and mortar location to look for. How to market it, clients, competition, staff, finances, what you need to know and best possible outcome. The reason I do that is to put a rocket pack on your back and give you an empowered reading. Because if you just ask for, will it be successful? I look at you and say, and what if I said no, and you're going to lose everything and live in a box under a bridge? The unscrupulous psychics and fake gypsies would flip a few cards and go, oh, Colton, I'm so sorry. There is a karmic block, but I have a candle $600, but it will make sure that you can make this work the first month you open. See what that does? That sets you up to get taken. So you always ask, how do I empower myself? And if somebody tries to tell you that you're cursed, that you have bad luck, that your life is so screwed up, somebody like that psychic has to get you out of it, you get up and you leave. Because that's horse hockey. That is not how it works. Yeah, is I mean, we've been kind of warned long time listeners of the show know from having our previous psychic on the show, you know, like, hey, there are some things to watch out for. Like, oh, yeah. If you walk in and say, like, oh, I'm looking for specifically X thing, like a good person should just like, all right, turn around and walk out because you just gave it to me. Like, there's nothing I can do to show you that that's true because. You just said no. it out loud. <laughs> Not quite. If you want to talk to dead people, and that's mediumship, and you say, I want to talk to my dad, and he has to come through with X information, then yeah. yeah. When I do mediumship, I know it's like 30 seconds off topic. The way I do it is I get their dog tags. For instance, my father, Jerome Richard Dorkin, who died in 2001 at the age of 80. That doesn't tell me anything, but it gets me right into the energy right away. And trust me, I give you specifics. And I tell you, don't correct me. If I say I'm getting something in my head, don't say, no, they died of left elbow cancer because I can't give that back to you. But tarot is different. And as a certified tarot master, I also know how to read what I call the backdoor information. There's a particular card, for instance, it's the Three of Pentacles. And the Three of Pentacles in the Rider Waite deck is usually a large building. Very often it looks like a church. And there is someone who is working on the stained glass window there. And so it gives a feeling of long-term. It gives a feeling of mastery. And that's generally the meanings that are given. There was a couple I was reading for in Kitchener, Ontario. And I pulled that card. And the message I got as a download from Spirit was very, very different. And I said, Not sure why I'm selling you this, but there's apparently a deconsecrated or abandoned church within two miles from here, and you should be opening up a cafe bakery. And I'm thinking, they're going to think I'm nuts. But they look at each other, and they looked at me, and they nod and say, yeah, we know. We've been arguing about it for two years. (laughs) You know, those are great. But that is not any more valuable than if you say, this is what I want, telling you, If you're going to work with this partner, they may not have a lot of follow through. You're going to have to follow up with them. The kind of place you're going to have to look for 
Uh, it is a brownstone. Go, don't go for the glass and modern look. The brownstone is going to have the better acoustics for you. This is how to market it. These are the kind of people that are going to be coming to you. Absolutely as valuable. Now, and you said something interesting because you described like the imagery on the card. Mm -hmm. um, I have seen online, I don't know why I get them, but I get ads constantly for like, you know, somebody designed a new tarot deck. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, why do I get an ad for this? But, you know, you mentioned like very specific artwork. Is it kind of like everyone follows a general rule when designing these cards or? Not necessarily. Okay. There is something called the rider weight. That rider slash weight, uh, those are the names of the people who did the original deck with Pamela Coleman Smith as the artist. And they are the standard deck. Okay. The deck that I use is based on the Rider Waite deck. It's the Tarot Illuminati by my friend Eric Dunn. The work is gorgeous. Now, he does follow the standard major minor arcana, which ones have meanings. But what he has chosen to do, because that's who he is, is he has given a cultural slant to each of the suits. For instance, cups, the artwork all is Russian Scandinavian royalty. Wands, Asian. Swords, Tudor England. Pentacles, excuse me, I didn't, uh, I was wrong, wrong, wrong. Wands are Middle Eastern. Asian is pentacles. It Does it change the meaning? No but it makes his deck aesthetically delicious. Yeah. And the most important thing when you are choosing your deck is find one that energetically crooks it little, its little finger at you and says, hi, wouldn't you like to play? It's the same thing with Oracle decks. Now, when I was choosing my first Oracle deck, I am not into fairies, the ootsie cutesy hallmarky guys. But my first deck was the fairies Oracle. Why? Because the artwork is by Brian Froud, who did the Labyrinth and the Dark Crystal, and it's based more on the Celtic idea of the wild ride, the sheep. Yeah. And each of my Oracle decks tells me what it wants to be used for. I've got a Ganesh deck that's very, very compassionate. I've got an angel deck for people that are scared of anything but angels. <laughs> I've got a First Nations-based deck, which is very much what's your life road. So everything is useful. What do I use tarot for? The absolutely practical information. That's what they love to do. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, that kind of gives us like what tarot does for you. Like what should be the optimum questions? Like if I'm coming into this, I'm going to a, a tarot reading today. Mm -hmm. um, like what are the best questions that I can ask to get the most out of any given reading? You always ask it in an empowering form. If people come in, for instance, 95% of my stuff is, does Bruce love me? And they say, I want to look at romance. I look at them and go, got one or want one? Two different readings. Yeah. If they say, I'm dating Bruce and I want to know what you see, I will pull five cards for them. Them, Bruce, the relationship, what they need to know and best possible outcome. If they still feel wishy-washy on stay or go, I will pull what I call the three threes. 
Three cards for status quo. Y'all just bumble along. Three cards for the come to Jesus meeting and it's serious counseling. And three cards for hostile. Bye-bye. It's been nice. I'll send you a postcard. But then I zip it. I mean, the she really should leave energetically could be having the Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice sign. But if she looks and says, I guess I'll just stick it out. I have to keep my mouth zipped because that is the concept of free will. We are not the repairman. We hand you a toolbox, but you have to decide are you going to use the hammer or the saw for whatever you need to do. The only time that I change from that is if my client is being physically, mentally, emotionally abused or gaslit, battered, then I don't care if they're male or female, the reader's hat comes off, the pastoral collar goes on, and I do some literally pastoral counseling because I am a rev. But that's it. Free will is your job. That's why you're here. Yeah, I mean, it's what makes us human, right? Is the fact that Mm -hmm. we have awareness and we have choice. And like to take those things away would be, I mean, it would be like if you tried to use a tarot deck for literally every action of your day, right? Like that would be absurd. Or, or you chant your, your spirit guides do not care if you're going to buy the red car, or the blue car, you have peas or carrots for dinner. That's not their job. Yeah. yeah they're like, look, we're here to deliver like a major learning lesson and you're trying to use me for mm-hmm. your Netflix queue. <laughs> it, it, exactly. Um, you know, and, and then uh, another time we'll talk about karma and past lives, which is a whole nother subject we could spend an hour on. So I'm going to like, tiptoe away from that because once you get me started with that it's another hour sure. but yes no that's i mean that's uh i think it's fun like how often is too much tarot brilliant question and one that doesn't get asked often enough and there is no hard and fast answer this is why you could come to me for a reading today and it's great and get a lot of information that's wonderful and a month later you could come to me and say look that last reading was great. I did everything that we talked about and this is how everything has shifted. Can we look again? Absolutely. But if you come to me only once a year and it's always the same questions and I know I'm always giving you the same answers. After year three, I am like a good bartender and I cut you off. You're wasting your money and my time because you clearly are not going to listen. One, it's one of those that, you know, as you said, you can ask different questions for whatever you're going into. So if I come in this week, And I'm like, okay, we're thinking about this business. This is the, Mm -hmm. you know, I want to get tips and tricks for the business. Mm -hmm. Then I come in next week and I'm like, hey, so I got into this relationship and I was wondering about the relationship. Like that's two different meetings, right? You could, you could. But if you start doing that, um, I will talk to you and say, you know, you're coming to me for every single question in your life. I want you to, you know, take a sabbatical for about three months. Don't come to me at all. And see if you can't answer some of this yourself. That's that's what I do. And the other thing, oh, please, do not do this to readers. And very often people will kind of try and beat us into things. Two examples. Does Bruce think about me? No. Has he ever thought about me? Not the way you want. If I do such and such, will he think about me? No. Is he going to call soon? He isn't. Well, if he isn't going to call soon, will he call later? Notice that the person is, you know, turning the question two degrees, hoping that they will wear me down enough to go, yes, yes, he loves you and he wants seven babies with you, but he just doesn't know it yet. Oh, good. I thought so. No. (laughs) Or the other one. Can you tell me where my ex-husband is sleeping with his mistress? No, I don't do remote spying. 
Well, is he with the same one or a different one? I don't do remote spying. I'm sorry. How many prostitutes has he cheated on me with? That is still remote spying. Oh, well, is he sick? Is he going to die soon? Can I get his money? That literally was somebody that I had to deal with in Canada. And you're like, what is happening right now? <laughs> no, I knew exactly very... what was happening. Those are people that want their answers. And if I don't give them to them, they are going to go to some psychic who will give it to them. But remember, because Bruce loved me, and five of us say he really doesn't, the sixth one is going to go, oh, there are karmic knots to untie. And as soon as we do that, he will leave his other person and fall into your arms. And, you know, it's three years and $30,000 later. And he still hasn't left that person. And, and the psychic's going to Rio and you're out 30 grand. Yeah. Well, it's very much one so, of those that's like, listen, Bruce is mm -hmm. his own person. And no matter how much you love Bruce, Bruce is still doing his Bruce things. Right. Right. And, you know, when you don't listen like that, the universe tends to beat on you with heavier answers. Now, I have to say, even the best of us as readers are only 85% accurate, no matter how long we've been doing it, how good we are with our tools. The only one 100% accurate is God, and he's not doing psychic fairs this week. So any psychic who says they're 98 to 100% accurate, I'd say, go past that booth, kids. Because nobody is. We are human. Well, and I don't know why we start to expect 100% out of anyone, because you could be a fan of, you know, like baseball or basketball. Some of the best players out there are have like 60%, 70% accuracy. But in their field, that's accepted. Remember, yeah. there is no better business bureau for psychics. Yes, I'm a member of the Tarot Guild and the American Tarot Association, but that's not something most people know. So since most psychics, unless you know anything about us, you assume we're scam artists, anything we do wrong, you're going to pounce on. The old saying, one oh crud beats 10 attaboys. People always remember the one bad thing. They always forget the, the good stuff. So you need to go into that realizing we are human. We'll do the best we can for you, but we are not infallible. Yeah, of course. So thinking about these these tarot cards and mm -hmm. thinking about the amount of Hollywood data that I have in my head. Oi. I know. Sorry. <laughs> um, when you do readings, are you drawing from the major and minor sections like independently or do they come out at the same time? Deck is shuffled. I tend to shuffle three times. One, two, and three. At that point, I then, this is for the general beginning overview, three piles, and I ask my client, left, middle, or right, they say middle, I say fine, middle goes on top, and then I just pull them, one, two, three, right from the top. So let's do a sample reading, okay? okay. So you can see how it's done. And you remember what I told you about the Celtic cross? Right. So the first thing I look for are the major arcana. Remember, that's the Roman numerals, the names at the bottom in my deck. It's a concentrated God energy. Statistical average is two. 22 majors in a 78-card deck average would be two. In the uh, spread I just pulled, this person has two major arcana. So one or two or none, my read is that's free will. Nothing is written in stone. You don't like it. You can change it. Then I tell you to look at the suits. The first suit I go for are the wands. Remember, that's creativity, power, passion, and drive. 
and this person only has one wand, so there's not going to be a lot of creativity in how he moves forward with whatever we find. The next thing I look for are cups, which are relationships. There are two cups. I look for pentacles, and he has one, two, three pentacles, so four pentacles. So this reading right there is going to tell me that this is mostly going to be about the practical house card job stuff. He has one sword for challenge. So I would say, since the next highest number were the two cups, they want to talk about the relationship in your practical life. So whether that's people at work, people you sell to, anything like that. Then we would go through the separate meanings. Okay. Interesting. So I love allegory. If you tell somebody X, they may or may not remember. But if you tell them a story about what they're seeing on the card, it's more real to them. The Eight of Cups tends to mean abandonment, things aren't working out, etc. But when people look at my Eight of Cups, I tell them they see eight cups in the front and there's someone in a cloak with a staff and they're walking toward a very rough road. My description is the beer is flat, the wine is sour, the water is dirty. There is no more nourishment in those cups. So he leans on the staff of his will, puts on the cloak of his passion, says that's a hell of a road ahead, but what I want's on the other side and he starts to walk. The reason I choose will and passion, remember, staff is creativity, power, passion, and drive. Creativity is the will to go forward. And red is always passion. So you move forward, even if it's a tough road, because you know what's behind you isn't going to help you anymore. And what you really want will propel you forward. When you talk about the picture, that will stick with you much more than the secondary explanation I just gave you, which in most people's head is like wah, wah, wah on Charlie Brown. It's an adult and you're not listening. We are all people who love stories. That's how before um, writing was done or when people were functionally illiterate, they had bards, they had minstrels to tell them the stories of what went before. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that like you paint a very colorful picture that I think could tell a lot about a person or, you know, the situation they find themselves in. Mm -hmm. um, but it's not what we see like you know aside from hearing you describe it i try and think of the last thing i saw that used tarot you know in a obviously a film setting everything comes up in the major arcana it's all like the fool and the hanged man and the wheel and like no that's, that's all that's, you ever see that's right that's because they want what i call the big energy dun 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 sure. no. now there are three cards that weird out rookies. Death, the devil, and the tower. Okay. And I tell people, if they come up, I'll tell you what they mean because it ain't that. For instance, the death card is death of an old way of life, death of what you've outgrown, death of what was never you in the first place. Big change. The devil card is not Mr. Horns in the tail. It's not even Jack Nicholson from the Witches of Eastwick. It is constantly bedeviled by something, someone, or some situation or holding you back from your highest and best by your own efforts. 
And the one that really weirds people out is the tower card. And the tower card is this building being struck by lightning and it's in flames and people are falling down screaming to their death and people see that and go, oh my God. I say, I want you to think of it as the imploding sports stadium card. Boston Red Sox want to build a new stadium. They got to blow up Fenway first and clear the ground. So what that card is telling you to do is there's going to be big changes because they're necessary. But if you run toward the change instead of away from it, you have better control over how it plays out. So I'm not a glurpy purple with angels person. I mean, I don't come across like, hi, I'm a little dancing raccoon. And here's my spirit guide, Arctic bear. That makes me want to vomit. I'm sorry. But at the same time, I don't need to scare the piss out of you with, oh, that's an evil card. No. My whole thing is here are your opportunities and how to grab them. Here's the tough stuff and how to get through it or around it. Here's your toolbox and rock and roll. And when when I read those cards that way, people leave knowing that they can do something about their life, either change it or how to ride the chaos. But they're in charge. Right. It's what you said, where you're like, look at this from an empowering perspective and not from mm-hmm. like, don't come into this afraid of it. And certainly don't make, don't let your psychic make you afraid. No, like, you know, no, they try that. It. You get up and leave. Yeah. Come into it and just look for like, okay, how can I improve this? Like, what am I seeing that could be concerning that I need to look out for, you know, take That's it. Right. It's kind of like the old adage, uh, you know, never assume malice where you could assume ignorance or, you know, always look for the best things in any situation. Like just try and assume positive intent all the, but, but if the psychic is factually incorrect, you know, the first five or seven minutes and we're talking major, like I'm 67, I've never had kids. Not gonna. If someone says to me, oh, the cards say of your four children, it's your youngest who will take care of you in your old age. I get it, but because they are so not getting me, honey. You know, now if I get a spirit guide message or a past life you've never heard about, you're going to have to trust me on that. But factual information, no. Now, how does that jibe with future stuff? Sometimes you have to trust us. There was a woman that I read for, again, all my good stories are Canadian. And I saw a couple of challenges for her, which I told her about. And she looks at me. She says, you suck. And she gets up and walks away. Oh, okay, fine. Who is the first person in my chair the next time I come up there? She sits down. She goes, last time I said you sucked. I said, yes, I remember. (laughs) Because you told me that I was going to take in a border. And then I was probably going to want to sell my house. And I thought that was all bull. But my daughter got pregnant and moved home. And now I'm going to sell my house to raise my grandson. And I still don't like you, but I want to know what else you see. Don't shoot the messenger, guys. Cheesy <laughs> peasy. Why are you mad at me? Because I didn't tell them that she was. Oh, do not. Do not ask me for the lottery numbers, please. Because yeah. my answer to that, number one, me first. Number two, if your psychic is not at least driving a Lexus, how do you know they know? Yeah, right. And the, the other thing I'm going to tell you about reading tarot. If the psychic makes you laugh, please, that does not mean they're not taking it seriously. I am damn funny. I have done stand-up comedy about you think a psychic's life is easy, but my tarot is absolutely accurate. And if you are laughing with me about a turn of phrase or how I'm describing something, your shields are going down and the information is getting in. It's okay. Yeah. I mean, what are you more likely to remember? Something that you are bored by because they threw the facts at you or something that was genuinely entertaining? 
exactly. And people say sitting with me is like sitting with a longtime friend, not some mystical turbaned Madam Hoo-ha or Swami Swalanda spouting a bunch of mystical jargon. Because that's the whole thing. Uh, for you to sit down with me for a reading, it's a privilege to me that you're saying, I have a life and I need help with it. Can you help me? Um, it's I one of the reasons I'm a certified tarot master. There's a code of ethics about how you read. There is a responsibility not only to read, but to teach others. Look, I'm 67. You know, I traveled for 18 years on the road. My nickname was the Travel Channel. Well, I'm off the road at 67. But we're going to need other readers 20, 30, 40 years. So I train other people now. It's not about me. It's about the service that we can do for others. Yeah, it's very much like paying it forward because you're like, look, if I can teach three people, maybe if they all stick with it, they can each teach, mm -hmm. you know, several people to replace us and we'll just keep this train moving. It's being an elder, not a boomer, frankly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, people assume that we boomers are selfish and it's all about us and blah, blah, blah. No, when you're an elder, for me, an elder tarot master, we know that it's time for us to come off the stage, seed the spotlight and bring the new kids up. But we only teach them in the way they ask to be taught because the world is very different than it was 30, 40, 50 years ago. They're going to have different things they need to read about they're going to have different mindsets from their clients. So I let them lead me. And whatever information I have that is useful for them, I absolutely teach them. It's one of the things about, um, I have a Patreon group. And, you know, I, I don't charge hundreds of dollars. It's 10 bucks a month. But we get together and we learn how to read tarot, how to do automatic writing, how to connect with spirit guides. It's a group of people who are going to be the next generation. I love teaching them. Well, and, you know, like you said, things change over time and they've got to be ready for the, you know, adapt to the changing world. Mm -hmm. But it reminds me that like what we said at the start of this, tarot is old. Like this is hundreds and hundreds of years old. Like you are not the third or fourth or fifth generation. Like, you know, even yourself, you are so, so deep into this, the ladder that makes up the system. But like, you know, it didn't just start and it's not just going away. But you can adapt. Yeah. You know, the, one of the best cards to show you that is the Eight of Wands. And the Eight of Wands shows wands flying through the air. And that has always been about letters and communication. Now, one of the things I read with that is Internet electronics so the just because the cards didn't mean internet electronics in 1640 doesn't mean you cannot layer that on top of the meaning now yeah does any of that ever like hard to to get across to someone else because there's a lot going into this where it's like you have to pick the layout you're using then reading it you're looking at the mm -hmm. numbers of things you have to get across. Then you're describing mm -hmm. it to this person. Does it ever feel kind of like you're playing telephone and you're hoping that they like pick up what you are saying and not like 
grabbing bits and pieces from the wrong aspects? Well, believe it or not, I cannot let myself do that. Why? Because that's my ego in the way. Are they going to get what I'm telling them? No. As John Holland, a very famous medium, says, we are just the tube that it comes through. It's not us. A hammer does not go strutting around on our back deck and go, look how straight all those Trex things are. And I didn't know. I'm sorry, hammer. Somebody held you and whacked your head against the boards. The person holding you was the one doing the work. We're like the hammer. We're the tool where the tube it comes through. Um, if I'm worried about what I'm saying, then that means my ego is in the way and I can't do it. For instance, you know, we, we talked about that weird message about the cafe bakery. If I had said, but they didn't ask me about that, I would derail the message. Um, very briefly, there was a situation in a mediumship reading that I did. And the message that came out of my mouth, it was a biracial couple. The black partner had died. Her white widow wanted to speak with her. The words that came out of my mouth should not come out of this mouth and this face. Yeah. It was pure urban ebonics and racy. If I had said, oh, I can't say that, she never would have gotten that message. But once it came out and I turned a little pale, the woman <laughs> in front of me nodded and laughed because that was the sentence that her partner used every time she walked into the house after a business meeting. That's, that's one of the reasons I don't do mediumship in public because I don't censor. But it is why you cannot worry about what's coming out of your mouth. You have got to trust that you are doing the work that needs to be done. Yeah. Yeah. I absolutely believe that. So if someone's listening and they're interested, or maybe they've been interested for a long time and they want to start practicing, you know, tarot readings, what do they need to, what do they need to pick up? Let's start there. The two books that are still published that I learned with. The first one is by Mary K. Greer, G-R-E-E-R. It's called Tarot for Yourself. This has been around since the 70s, 80s. She is, I believe, a certified tarot grandmaster. You know, the, that's like honorary Oscars, the big, the big, the big, the big. And there's another one called Power Tarot, which is by Trish McGregor and Phyllis Vega. And the thing that I like about this book, especially for beginners, is it has a card, let's say it's the Ace of Pentacles, and it talks about what the card's about. It gives you something general. Then it gives you slants. It could mean this if you're asking about work. It could mean this if you're asking about romance, finances, health, spirituality, empowerment. So it does some of that broad-based thinking for you until you are confident enough to take off the training wheels. And the other thing is, um, I highly recommend joining the Tarot Guild, thetarotguild.com. I think it's like a buck a month, but there are constant classes on there and articles and roundtables, and you're learning from the best of the best certified tarot masters that have been doing this since Moses was in diapers. <laughs> Sorry. I started. I started. Laughing. I told you I'm funny. I, I just, you know, there you are. Yeah. Um, 
No, I like that there is kind of the guide. It made me think, I don't know why this is the question that popped into my head, because I mm -hmm. clearly didn't ask it earlier when I was asking about readings. How do you read, because I've seen it in TV and movies, when a card comes upside down? Like, is that generally good or bad, or do you just kind of ignore uh, it's, that? Well, it's, it tends to be blocked energies. Um, I don't specifically read with cards upside down if one turns itself around in my deck and everything else is upright, okay, well, then I do it. So for instance, the three of swords means heartbreak, grief, sometimes surgery. If it shows up like this, what I'm going to tell you is these swords can be pulled out of your own back, kid, but you have to do it. You can prevent the pain, but you have to do it. No one else will do it for you. This way is kind of like you're in for a world of hurt. Yeah. Like, buckle up versus, uh, you know, put your seatbelt on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you could avoid you could avoid this, but pay yeah. attention. Yeah. Interesting. No, I just thought about that because I was like, oh, I thought, yeah, I saw this show. It's probably been like three years since I saw the show, but I remember them being like, oh, well, this would be a good card, but it's upside down. It tends to be blocked energies. If you're going to read like that, then yes, there is a book specific for that. And again, this is by Mary Kay Greer. And it is the complete book of tarot reversals. And it goes very deep dish into how to read these cards reversed. All right. Can you just pick up any card deck? You know, like your 007 deck? Can I just go down to, you know, a store that carries There are them? tons and tons and tons. Of course you can. And the rule about somebody must give you a tarot deck, that's all horse hockey. But go with the artwork that moves you. The reason I love Eric Dunn's deck, Tarot Illuminati, is the lushness of the artwork. Yeah, I mean, people listening can't see it, but these are beautiful cards. Like, as you've been showing them, I'm like, I kind of Almost like Renaissance art. On the other hand, his next deck, the Tarot Apocalypsis, yeah. which uses a different cultural uh, background, it's more like Greek and Roman and blah, blah, blah. Well, he has got a lot of snakes in that thing, and I am a herpophobe, so I would not read that deck. <laughs> Simple as that. You're like, please, Eric, stop making me touch this. <laughs> literally, literally. He sent me the deck. It, it resides on a back shelf somewhere. Yeah. Very touched, but no. You're like, thank you, but please, no snakes. Mm hmm Okay. So are there any other tools that fall into the same like umbrella category? Because we had gone over tarot and then we talked oracle cards, oracle decks. Um, is there um, anything else like it? Well, this has so much information that you can use. What I am going to say is you have to, if you're going to be a professional reader, especially, you really, really, really have to think about what happens if. And th this is, you know, I read at psychic fairs and I'm always booked up solid. So if, you know, Roberta comes in and she's holding her little two-year-old daughter, Muffin, and Muffin goes, mommy, mommy, want to pull a card, want to pull a card, want to pull a card. And she says, let the kid pull a card. What am I going to do if I go, oh, look, Muffin, death. No. Yeah. So if you're going to be a professional at this, you always have a children's deck and this thing is called cat wisdom and it's an ador it's not a tarot deck it's just an oracle deck but it has 
pictures of kitties on it with messages like accept yourself and there's that keep a lookout flexibility and they're all cute kitties and puppies and the occasional squirrel now muffin wants to pull a card from this muffin gets a card reading muffin is happy and then i go back and i use the serious deck for mom yeah so like okay now that that's out of the way mm -hmm, exactly exactly uh personally i don't read for kids who are under 18 the reason is i believe that teenagers should find their own answers, do their own exploring. They don't need adults telling them what to do. Now, my exception is if a kid is obviously very spiritual and intuitive and they want to know what's this going on with me, that's a different thing. But I'm not going to tell them who they're going to date at prom and are they going to pass calculus? Yeah. Yeah. Like this is just part of being a teenager. You're going to have to roll with it. Certain things never change, darling. Suck it up. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. That certainly feels right. So if I wanted to walk out of here today and buy a, a tarot deck, what is a reasonable price and what am I being ripped off? Um, reasonable. I've seen decks, you know, $25, $35. Um, if you want a very rare deck, you know, you don't need a rare deck to begin with. The rarest deck I have is the Secret Dakini Oracle deck from the late 1970s. This little pack of cards in my hand is $500 if you wanted to buy it now. Wasn't that much then, but it is out of print. So the best place for you to go, Barnes & Noble, uh, if there are any large stores near you, if you're in the Atlanta area, you want to go to Phoenix & Dragon which is one of the oldest stores, York, Pennsylvania. There's no better store than New Visions Books and Gifts. They will have dozens of decks that you can look at. And some of the places even have big three ring binders where they have a couple of cards from each of the decks and you can page through and see that artwork I love. No, that doesn't interest me. And a lot of people have more than one tarot deck. So if you end up buying six to see which one you like best, you're not doing it wrong. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like you said, you can buy the really dark and grim one, but maybe if you've got some squeamish family and friends, like also buy the the nice cute one. (laughs) I want the angels. Yes. Okay. And then I'm sure it's a very broad range of pricing, but if I was going to walk out of my front door right after we end this call and get a tarot reading between what prices should I expect to pay? Look, it you could pay ten bucks at Jackson Square, New Orleans, up to hundreds and hundreds. Uh, for instance, with me, you can't just walk out and walk in my door. Yeah. You have to go online. And you have to book an appointment. Now, I have twenty-two different, literally, readings and consultations from twenty-four ninety-five. The burning question, which is you know you got one question, and it's a quick five-minute read to general readings for an hour, which with me is about 250 because you're getting 50 years of experience. I use numerology, possible guides, possible mediumship, whatever comes in, okay? At psychic fairs, for instance, there's a very large one that I do in Saratoga that's gonna be in a couple of months. Uh, I charge 50 for 15 minutes, 80 for a half an hour. I am 
not the most expensive in the world, but I'm probably, if you will, upper middle class kind of thing. Because number one, you get a recording when you're gone. I'm so fast, you'll never remember everything. And if you're taking notes, you're not listening. I hand you a CD when you leave with me. I am fast. 15 minutes with me is like a half an hour with a lot of other people. And you know, you're getting someone who's been in the business so long that they're not a fly by night. You cannot read a thousand people a year for 20 years and be a fake. You can't. But one of the things I'm going to tell you is before you book in with a reader, check their testimonials. If there are no testimonials, don't go. Because you need to find out, are they kind? Are they funny? Are they accurate? Do they have specialties, children, dogs, dead people? Would people come back? But the last thing is check in at your gut. You're putting your hard earned money on the table. If the reader doesn't feel like they have a brain in their head, they really are going to give you good information or they even give a damn. Don't go there. No matter how cool the wiki will looks on the table or on their website. Awesome. Well, I think this has been really informative and I think people can get a lot out of it. And if they want to start doing it, they have a place to start. And if they want to go see Absolutely. someone, they know, you know, what to look out for. Mm -hmm. um, but I've appreciated this immensely. I wanted to kind of give you, you know, some time to plug what you do and where people can find you. Oh, God, Cole, they can't avoid me. They really can't. <laughs> um, first place they're going to go is my website, CorbyMitlide.com. There are articles there, um, how you get my books, and you can make appointments. Uh, you will find me on Twitter, Pinterest, Instagram. My daily blog is on Medium. I have instructional videos on YouTube. And if you really do want to learn with me one-on-one, -on -one, that's Patreon. Well, that's a lot of places to find you. So they really can't avoid you. <laughs> exactly right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I've appreciated it. Oh, I had fun. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Just Dumb Enough podcast. If you like the show, take the time to read it five stars on iTunes, Spotify, or Audible. It helps the show grow. You could also help us grow by telling people you know to listen to the show. I'm always looking for new topics, guest ideas, and questions from the audience. To reach out to me, email dumbenoughpodcast at gmail.com or send a message to any of the show pages on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or wherever else. You can also reach out to me there if you decide you want to be on the show. That'd be fun, huh? Well, that's all for now. I'll see you all Monday for the next loving episode. Bye bye